Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2 of Building Infinite Red, a podcast where the owners of Infinite Red, Todd Worth, Jamin Holmgren, and Gant Laborde, share stories and insights about what it's like to build a fully remote software consultancy. In this episode of Building Infinite Red, the owners are joined by Justin Husky, Head of Design at Infinite Red. They discuss our startup package, what it is, how we built it, and who it's for. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back to Building Infinite Red. This is Todd Worth. I'm CEO and founder of Infinite Red. Today we're going to be talking about a really interesting subject. We Sometimes we have clients who really haven't got from zero to one yet in their uh, in the businesses they're building as entrepreneurs. Um, and often, of course, as we design and build uh, applications or other types of software for them, we kind of need them to be at one before we can build them. Um, but we want to help these people. We do know how to get from zero to one, but we didn't offer a service for that. So we all put our heads together and we came up with a service for that. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. First, I want to introduce everyone on the this episode. We have Jamin Holmgren. Hey, everybody. He is founder and CTO of InfiniRed. We have Gant Laborde. Hello. He is one of the owners of the company and executive here. And then today we have a new person that uh, you all have not heard, Justin Husky. He's actually our lead of design, and he is the architect of what we're talking about today. Welcome, Justin. Thanks, everyone. It's nice to be here. Cool. So let's start out and describe. I did a quick tease there, but let's describe what the problem we saw with our clients coming in. And then we can go in the details on how we solved that. Justin and I were, were talking one day and it was, it was kind of just this, this discussion about like, like, what do we do with all of these, these leads that are coming in that, that don't have the money? Like, is there something we can provide to them? Mm-hmm. They would come to us pre-funding and uh, that meant that they really only had a little bit of money, generally their own, or maybe a little tiny bit of seed money, but nothing Nothing big. Um, we're talking somewhere in the range of twenty to fifty thousand dollars, something like that, which isn't really enough to do an MVP. Uh, you know, generally you're going to be much more than that. You're going to be three to five times more than that uh, to do any sort of an MVP that includes the development portion of it. Um, and what I what I thought was really interesting about this is we already had a huge like chunk of stuff that was valuable to these early stage startups. Uh, we already had a bunch of stuff and I'm going to let Justin talk more about that. Um, but, but there was also like a business need on top of that. Uh, and, and I'll talk about more of what we added for the business side of it, because these people were coming to us, the, the, the founders were coming to us and they, a lot of times were first time founders. They didn't necessarily know all the different pieces. They didn't know what they didn't know. They didn't know the pieces that they needed to learn. They were really interested in how do I, you know, how do I learn how to do fundraising? Almost like, um, like they needed an incubator and, and, a, a founder Academy type of a thing all in one. Um, and so this, these discussions led to the idea of, well, let's do a, let's do a startup package. Let's do something that they can buy. That is a package that brings to them a whole lot of value right up front, but more importantly, brings them a lot of education and puts them in a position to succeed. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right, Jamin. 
there's a lot of entrepreneurs that were coming to us and they saw a need in their market because um, they're out there working in it every day. Some need that sometimes we don't even see because we work in the tech industry. So we saw a lot of really great ideas, uh, but they, you know, they, they needed some advice and some guidance on how to actually launch a startup and have it succeed in the tech space. And so that's what, you know, kind of how the startup package was born as we saw that and we wanted to be able to help them, um, but definitely bring some of that startup advice to it where you kind of test it before you go all in on it. Yeah, we originally called it the pitch package um, because that was kind of the thing that I brought to it. You know, Justin had a really good plan for the design portion of it and validating a lot of the user needs and and uh, and really coming up with uh, an amazing design. Um, but I, I, what I wanted to do was bring in the idea of this is the, the goal of this is to be able to pitch it effectively uh, to to investors, you know, whether it's friends and family, whether it's an actual like uh, uh, angel investor um, or later on, you know, uh, you know, kind of really going through all of the the deeper investment rounds. Um, and so that was, I think the key thing was that it wasn't just that they were going to get a design and I would like to talk more about like what they actually get, you know, at some point here. Um, but, but, but also with the goal that this isn't just us designing to maybe like build it and, and show it off and things like that. It was, it was designing it in order to get investment. Now, in some cases people want to bootstrap, they have the money internally and they want to be able to do that. And we can, we can adjust what we do to not be so much focused on pitching, but there's still many, many validation steps that have to happen in between, uh, you know, like the, the initial idea and then actually starting to code. We call it the pitch package. We actually then renamed it later to the startup package, which is a little more general and fits more our, our broader goals for it. And some of you be, might be wondering, well, I've listened to this podcast. I'm familiar with the company. You guys seem to make design and make good software. That's fantastic. But what the heck? You, why are you giving advice for startup? You just, you know, why, do, why are you qualified? Um, the short answer is we're completely not, we're just BSing. <laughs> okay. uh, no, uh, I personally have started three companies. Second one was an, uh, investor backed company. The other two were bootstrapped by me. Um, and, uh, we, we also have other experience in our team, similar experience. And that's, that's one thing, just our personal experience, but mostly we work with a lot of startups. We hear a lot of the same things having pitched to investors myself, I know all the questions they're going to get asked when they first pitch to investors. Like very common, what's your customer acquisition plan? And if you're just staring at them like wishing you could Google what a customer acquisition plan was, that's probably not going to go well. So there's a lot of things that we do already uh, help our clients with in that regard. And we say, you know, revenue plan, customer acquisition plan, these are the things they're going to ask you, that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where we have... Um, we have some expertise and help out there. From our business perspective, why does this help us? We were really kind of broadening our reach with the design department. And uh, what we found was that we had people who were willing to start, but the projects weren't funded enough to say, hey, here's a whole proposal for design and development. And then they could just say yes, because they didn't have the funding yet. They needed to get partway through, get the funding, and then come back for the development side of it. And so the pitch package fits in there 
or the sorry, the startup package <laughs> fits in there perfectly because it uh, it allows them to get partway through. It is not as much of a commitment. Like I said, 20 to 50 K is generally the range. That's not always the range, but that is generally the range that we're operating within. And then uh, so, you know, a lot of these founders can afford that. And then once they hit that point, they go out, they raise money and they come back with a lot more money that allows them to actually build the app uh, on the programming side of things. So this allowed us as a business to bring in design projects that that, you know, obviously keep our design team busy and doing some really cool work, but also feeding that back into our development team, which is a much larger team. You know, we're speaking about this at a pretty high level. We're talking about people who know why they need this, and we're talking about why it's good to us. But I think there's something that I'd like to put in here is the why is this needed? Because I still run into people who think that they just need to read one book on iOS programming create their million dollar app idea and be done with it. And the way they sort of envision the way the market actually works today is a pretty outdated concept. So I think that, you know, when we were in this world is there's an app for that kind of mentality. I think we might want to come back and say a little bit on why you need to actually step really hard, have a good pitch package or startup package and make a big influence versus somebody who can do something on a shoestring budget. Yeah, that's a great point, Gant. Uh, there, you know, one of the, one of the reasons we, we put this together is because the dynamics of user expectations have actually shifted a lot in the last couple of years. So where it used to be enough to have an app on the app store and get it out there, it's very vanilla it looks good. Um, you know, it looks kind of like the MVP version of it. A lot of user expectations have now shifted to where they've gotten used to apps being more polished. They're used to apps having a lot of thought put into them. They're used to um, having a user experience that's different and and uh, very unique. And so in order for new people and new businesses to go in there and compete, they're competing against millions of dollars in funding. And so what we do at the startup package is we identify what's the secret sauce that they're bringing to the market. And when we boil that down, that's where we really just go all in on it so that they actually have a fighting chance against these companies that are raising millions of dollars in seed money. If you are a developer in San Francisco and you're in an Uber, you eventually will get pitched not eventually, probably every other ride, you'll get pitched. Uh-huh. This. And this literally happened that Jamin and Gan, when I was living, when I was living in San Francisco, were yep. in an Uber with me. And it literally <laughs> happened. Yeah. He pitched the idea to us when he heard that we do apps. And so, and I'm sure it, it just constantly, that's, that's this world, right? Where, um, but what's really interesting now is I have a new defense instead of saying, Hey, I can't uh, I can't pay my mortgage with <laughs> with a percentage of your zero income company. <laughs> now, actually, the funny thing I've found is I'll Google for a little bit, and I will find competitors, and uh, their ideas are sort of getting saturated. And it's not it's not first to the trough as much as it is best at the trough. Yeah, and and I've had that happen before, where a friend will say, "I have this idea." Um, and they explain it to me and then I just do like a quick search on the app store and there's like six apps that do that. And one of them even told me, 
I was afraid to search on the app store because I thought Apple might steal my idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, yeah, it's, it's, it is very different perception out there from, from reality on this stuff. I mean, it's not that Apple never steals ideas The the term Sherlocking is, is there for a reason, but they're not going to steal someone's random, you know, search on the app store. Um, I, I think that, uh, I think that it's, it's more important to, uh, actually these days, I think the, the quality of it's certainly important, but, um, but what I've, what I've actually found for, for startup ideas, what's really interesting is to take two things and combine them. And that's a really good way to be unique. Uh, so instead of just trying to be the one, like, you know, Craigslist, there's already one out there. There's many of them out there. There's tons of them and, and they all have more traction than you. Um, instead of doing that, you can become, you know, the, the Craigslist of, uh, I don't know, used windows or something. You can find like some niche like that where you find uh, you take two things, especially if it's two things that you have exposure in this kind of overlap of of two different two different things. I've worked in the construction industry and I work in the tech industry now Um, finding, you know, something construction tech related would kind of make sense for me if I were to build an app. I think that's a that's a really good avenue, especially if it fits something that you're passionate about is taking things that you care about and connecting them. And that's what electronics and apps and websites are so fantastic at. What I think that really is a big key thing is that we used to have people who are passionate about something pitching to developers. And we're in a world today where I think we need to arm people to pitch effectively towards investors. So there's there's lots of fun stories there. But what I'd like to get into is, so we've, we've kind of explain the startup package and all that i would like to get into what we came up with like like how we we saw the problem we identified it'd be useful for us and then we had to make the make it make it an actual product or productized service um so let's start off uh what do we do just to start general and then we can get more specific but generally speaking what do we provide our clients uh when they buy the startup package Oh, that's a great question, Todd. So our clients at the end of a startup package, they get a couple of things. Uh, one is they have a complete designed prototype uh, that they can actually put on their phone. And what that means is we have stitched together uh, the designs for the app in a way that replicates what a developed product could look like. And then two, what we actually do is we give them a presentation that they can take with them as they're pitching this to investors and people who are interested in getting involved in the app. And it not only shows the features of the app, but it also tells the story of the app and, and why it's there and the market that it's that it's moving into. Interesting, Justin. Um, Jamin, as the person who is often in sales calls and stuff, how do you... Do you present it similar to prospective clients that Justin just described or is there anything else that you do? I really, uh, I, I think, I think he nailed it. I do, I do focus on the business part of it, uh, because a lot of times, you know, I, I think one of the points I make is when you're creating an app, you're not just creating an app, you're creating a business. You really need to be thinking about the fact that you are making a business, you need to have customer support. You need to have, you know, all these different things. You need to have plans for the future, how you're going to handle all this stuff. Um, and it's a little daunting actually. Uh, but there are founders out there who 
are willing to dive headfirst into it. Uh, we put a, a great case study about it, uh, about Debbie Ajo's, uh, app on our blog recently. Justin wrote that up. Um, and so it's, it's an app called Cellerbate, I think, uh, Cellerbate. Yeah. And it's S E L L. Uh, and it's, it's about, um, basically, well, read the article and we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, so the, the big thing there is, uh, that, you know, it, it was, it was a lot of stuff that she had to learn, not just on the technical side of things, not just on the design side of things, but about the the business side of things. So we had to provide a lot of value right up front. And by being, by being able to tell her that, yes, we have a package that is designed for your exact situation. It's going to get you to the point where now you can go pitch to investors. And she did, and she got money. And she, so she came back to us for the development side of it. And we're working on that right now. That's the sort of thing that is a great tool to have in the toolbox when I'm talking to prospective early stage uh, founders. Yeah. One of the interesting things that I think that kind of comes out of this is that a person has to almost pitch to us first. They for sure have to pitch to us. That's, that's otherwise we can't understand how to help them pitch to other people. And it's a key because that identifies gaps. Um, It's really hard to find a spot. If you're just pitching to investors they're not going to directly tell you uh, what you did right or wrong. The really key aspect here is that they have to pitch us first, and we're sort of their first audience in a certain degree, and this helps you identify unknown unknowns. For instance, let's say you do know what your market audience is. Well, the key aspect of when you're trying to get funded on something like that is that you're going to have to be able to identify and say that to investors. And we help humanize that a bit. And then even when people don't know who their market is and they don't know their user personas, this is a great opportunity because building an app for people who are doing uh, like who are truck drivers is going to be significantly different from one that would be styled for uh, hair designers. Uh, There's architectural and user experience differences that Justin and our team has seen time and time again. And you get to win by that experience a bit. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about what you know what what this means to Infinite Red and us as owners too, uh, because I think that identifying this sort of a problem, identifying this sort of a, a niche where we we kept we kept hearing this over and over, people with these you know early stage founders who didn't have an avenue, we they we couldn't serve them because you know they didn't have two hundred thousand dollars, they couldn't come to us and build the app out. And so us listening to that and then secondly, um, devising a productized service, as Todd said, to uh, to fit in neatly and be able to tell them we have a solution for that. It's kind of pre prepackaged. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't customize it. It's not totally off the shelf. It's totally custom, like everything Infinite Red does has some level of of uh, sort of just our knowledge baked baked into it and based on the the particulars of that situation. but. Um, but it's something that we had the, the structure of it built out and we've done it before and we can continue to iterate on it and make it better. And I think that was something that to me, I would like to do more of at infinite red. I want to continue to do more of this. I want to have more productized services, more, um, things that have specific names that have specific parameters on what they are that fit specific, uh, you know, client leads in who have, a a particular circumstance or a situation that we know that we can help with. Yeah. Thank you, Jamin. That would be awesome. Um, it's what's cool about 
it's not just having these productized services for our own revenue or stuff, but it, it, it allows us to sit down and think of ahead of time something that a cohort of our clients need. And then when we see them describing that need to us, we can articulate in a way that hopefully makes them have an aha moment like, okay. Because truthfully, getting from zero to one in anything is often the most difficult part. For entrepreneurs, it can be overwhelmingly difficult. Um, so that's very exciting. Justin, I would like to ask you, we had a client, I don't remember exactly who they were and probably shouldn't say who they were, but uh, this gentleman came in and he had a good idea. It was a very interesting idea. We pretty, we're pretty sure that there's no way in heck that Apple would allow this in the store. It just, it just violated many, many, um, terms of agreement. Uh, but we helped him go from that great idea and find what he was trying to solve and come out of the other end with a totally different but cool idea. Uh, I don't know if you call that, Justin, but could you talk a little about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that uh, one of the things that happens with this startup package is that you know, starting a business is very creative. And one thing with creativity is that you sometimes have to kind of start with a little bit of loose ends and, you know, a little bit of a mess that you kind of have to go in and clean up and make it something, uh, your ideas are kind of going in different directions. And so what we did with this one app in particular is that when he came to us, it was like you said, you know, it was, we, we weren't thinking it was going to be accepted into the app store. And so what we did is we did some market research. We looked at what was already out there, um, looked at what was possible and brought that back to him and asked him, okay, let's, let's go over the main goal here. The main goal is to do X. Let's see how we can still do that, but do it in a way that, you know, it still fits within the rules and we can launch it and it, it it'll be successful for him. So we took all of that, uh, the primary goal of his app, and we tweaked the inner workings of it so that it still accomplished that, but it did it in a different way that was still easy to use, but also, you know, would be accepted by Apple uh, in the end as well. Yeah, totally. I want to kind of lay out in more concrete terms what you get. Um, And uh, I'm actually going to ask for Justin's help in a bit here on on the specifics of, of the design phase of it, but just talking about the business side of it, um, there's going to be a design phase and, and you're, and it's not just design. You're also going to be exploring product. So in a lot of ways, we're going to actually be, uh, kind of acting as a product team for you in those early stages. Um, and constraints like the app store breed creativity. And we're going to be a piece, we're going to be a part of that. Um, and, uh, the design process, which has specific deliverables, like actual hard deliverables that you're going to get, uh, play into the next part, which is we actually deliver a, a pitch deck as well. Assuming you're going to be going for, for, uh, investment, um, you're actually going to get like, like a PowerPoint presentation or, you know, whatever your pitch deck software of choices, we'll, we'll provide that to you. And because we've gone through this design phase and this market research and product phase with you, we understand the value of your product really well, and we can communicate it with our awesome designers 
and our ability to communicate on screen to your investors. We can hit the points that you want to be able to hit. Um, because think about sitting down in front of PowerPoint and trying to come up with a pitch deck. Like that's kind of a daunting task for a lot of people, but we're going to, it's, you're hiring a pro to do it. We're going to do something really amazing. Not only that, but you're actually going to have something that you're going to allow the investors to download under their phone and tap through. Justin's going to talk more about that as well. Um, and these things really give you the confidence that you need that, that, you know, we've done the research. We know that this product is, is viable. We know that it has, uh, that there's a there's a path forward with it. Not only that, but you also know the cost for the development part of it because we deliver that as well. That's another deliverable. You get a breakdown. We do architecture from an engineering side. There's an engineer involved in the process all the way through. And we actually make sure that everything's estimated and you have a pretty good sense for what this is going to cost at the end of it. Um, and uh, so th- so that's that's essentially kind of in broad strokes, the part of it that that I want to explain. I also want to go back to, to Justin for the design part. So when a, an entrepreneur comes to us, uh, they've for many, you know, they've, they've been thinking about this app or this idea for uh, several, several months. Sometimes, you know, we've seen a couple of years even and they they need some help kind of identifying um, and putting everything else on, on paper that they've been thinking about. So one of the very first things we do is actually to go through an entire product discovery with them where we're talking through what the need in the market they're seeing is, um, who they anticipate these users being, and also what their main goals are for it. And a lot of times it's totally okay if they don't know the answers to those questions. That's actually what the discovery part is all about, is trying to get answers to those questions. And we found that a lot of the... Uh, research that comes out of that phase actually guides it all the way the project all the way through to completion to when they're pitching because when the tough questions come in at their investor presentation they have solid answers to it as to who these people are that'll be targeted and who'll be using it they know the path to revenue that they want to take they know the goals that are going to be set up uh, in acquisition and all of that and so they're very well prepared for for their presentation. As far as the um, uh, as far as the the actual deliverables, uh, Jamin's exactly right. There are de- deliverables. We're not just thought leaders. Uh, there are deliverables in the beginning uh, with all the research and everything, and we tighten that up into a really nice packet that they can review, and it'll guide our decision. And uh, we actually have uh, four four total phases. So we have the strategy, which I already just talked about. We have the um, user experience and wireframe portion, which is where we actually gray box the entire app and we start linking it together. We believe in prototyping actually right away for user experience design because once, once, once we get the app in our hands, it's very obvious to us where things are breaking down and need to be relinked up. And so... Uh, one of our f- biggest philosophies is to uh, prototype early, get it into people's hands and allow them to start interacting with it. The third phase is to go through visual design. Um, you know, like I said earlier, there are shifting expectations in the market about what apps look like and function like. And so visual design is really important these days, actually. It's becoming more increasingly more important. And so uh, we actually identify how the app should look, how it should feel, and uh, make it look like an actual finished product. 
Um, and then the final phase is to come up with a pitch deck, uh, which is a presentation template for them that they can use to share the story of their app with potential investors. Um, one thing that's really cool about it, though, is, you know, sometimes the story of, of an entrepreneur changes over time. And as they start pitching to investors, they start realizing what's working and what's not working. We actually um, not only collaborate with them a little bit afterwards sometimes, but we also give them a template that they can kind of create on the fly and be able to change it as they need to. Um, but that also, you know, still looks and feels just like their their brand as well. And part of that visual design phase is um, is that we will actually put it into Envision, so people are able. Envision is a product that allows people to click through it on their on their laptop or desktop, uh, or bring it up on their phone and see the the phone aspect of it. So uh, it's it's not that it's just you know static images. You actually get to tap through it all of your screens and show people on on your phone what it's going to look like. This is something I wish I had a time machine for. There are so many meetings <laughs> where people, you know, this the sort of like pitch idea where people are looking at like, how, how the hell do you get funded? Um, as a developer, a lot of people asked me that question. I had no idea. And um, there's entire institutions set around that. And, you know, we have one here in New Orleans where it's a startup incubator and you have to pitch just to get in the incubator you have to you know just to get training on how to do some of this stuff you have to already have a lot of that ready and um it's a new world that we live in and i think it's really nice because this is this is something we see quite often we see lots of large companies but we also see people with great ideas and ambition and so i think like what's really cool here is uh i i i it might sound very crazy but our our design and our ux and honestly, a lot of the things that Justin, who's the head of design here at Infinite Red, have sort of like brought to the table, it's really good. It's really opened my eyes up because as a person who was developing in the early 2000s, uh, I was your designer. I was your marketer. I was your SEO. I was everything. And now each of those are its own sort of profession. And that's the natural growth as this sort of like turns into a real thing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one thing that Jamin and I saw too early on was that there's a lot of money in tech right now. And so there's a lot of avenues for entrepreneurs to, um, to invest, to get their app created. And it was a common story for us to hear people who had already spent money on trying to get an app designed and got the exact opposite of what they were asking for. And so we saw, you know, a need there where there was actually people who had the money to invest in, in designing their idea and were kind of getting taken for a ride because it's just easy money in tech right now to, to, to advertise it. You don't really know what kind of quality you're getting out of it. Right. And this is, uh, this is why there's a stigma for people sending work overseas. Um, people say, mm -hmm. oh, I can get you something for that price. And uh, I think yeah. I forget. I don't know if it's Jamin or Todd who says it, but the most expensive app is the one that you don't need and you didn't ask for. Or you didn't want in the first place. Sounds like something Jamin would say. Um, oh, sounds like something <laughs> Ken would say. It's probably actually. Ken. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It does sound like something Ken would say. So this is this is all super interesting, and um, I've been super pleased. I have not been involved in developing this product at all um obviously justin and jamin spend a lot of time mostly justin 
I don't know if that's true, but Justin Jamin for sure. Um, but, you know, obviously we want to talk about our story just to give you all an example of how, you you know, you could do something similar in your company. Of course, we're sharing what we do. And if you're interested in, in that service, great, come to us. But it's really just an example from like from start to finish how something uh, goes like that. So I'd like to ask the, the panel here. Is there any other advice you could give to someone? Someone's out there, they're either an entrepreneur or their existing business, and they want to identify uh, something that their customers need needs that they're not providing right now, and then they want to develop a product or service. Uh, I don't know if anyone has any advice, but I'd, I'd love, love to hear that. I think one way to, to do it is to note every time you say, uh, shoot, I wish we I wish we could do that for them. Uh you know, because I think that that kind of gives you that's exactly what happened with Justin and, and, and me when we were looking at this. We we kept saying this is a really interesting idea. They just don't have the money. I wish we could help them. And uh, so that's where coming up with the package made sense. But we also had to make sure that it made sense for us as well. It couldn't just be something that only served them. We had to also make it financially viable. We had to make sure that it would uh, meet the goals of the, the overall business. But Jamin, so. I imagine someone sitting around uh, coffee, having coffee, discussing what you just said, but they come up with something that they think their customers need or know that their customers need, but it doesn't, it doesn't fit them exactly. The first reaction might be, yeah, that's great, but that's not what we do. Um, How do you address that kind of situation? I mean, you do have to kind of listen to your gut for some of that stuff for sure. Uh, But there's nothing wrong with running an experiment. You know, th- this is something we're. this doesn't really feel like us, but hey, let's try it for two months. And at the end of the month, let's literally schedule the meeting right now in two months. We're going to go back and see how it went. And we're going to look at it and say, why didn't it go well? Or why did why what were the surprising parts that did go well? I, I'm a big fan of running experiments. Uh, and yeah, your gut might be right. But at the end of the experiment, that will bear out if that's the case. Yeah, those are those are good points. Now that I think of it, like if Jim and and Justin, you came and said, look, we need to do the startup package, but we don't actually have the skills to do what we think they need. Like we don't have the ability to give them advice on their, their, their uh, pitch, their pitch deck. We don't have that. We could have still did something. We could have said, look, we don't have those skills, but I know from experience, if they go to pitch to investors and they have their selected developers and designers, like they say, look, we need to develop and design this, and, and, and the investor will say, okay, but I looked at your team. Your team doesn't have any abilities to do this. How are you going to handle this? Oh, well, we have Infinite Red, and you know they're in the Zoom call with us right now, and they can explain. They have tons of experience, and we've developed this relationship with them. We could have said, like, we'll just help you with that one particular piece uh, because we can do that. So I'm not saying we would do that. We'd have to evaluate, but the point is, if you can't do the whole thing, you can try to find where you can add value to that thing. Yeah. And, and as you do that, that's, that's an awesome point. And as you do that, you're going to also find other kind of peripheral things that you, you are totally qualified to do. Um, it just kind of grows organically from there. Cool. That's been tons of great info. Any other advice for anyone out there trying to do this or anything else you'd like to mention before we uh, wrap this up today? If there's one thing I think that, um, if, if businesses want to identify where they might try to make improvements or where they want to take their next step, I would say 
One is a great place to go is the customer service department. Realize that uh, they have a lot of the answers you're looking for in terms of what problems need solved first. And actually, we that's kind of how the startup package came up for us. And uh, two is to reach out to us. I, I like that. That was shameless. I love nice it. Pitch. We're, that was, that we're was inviting good. Justin back. <laughs> <laughs> so basically so basically if you have business problems send us money you'll now have more problems and less money <laughs> less, less money <laughs> yeah it was way better than my advice i was gonna say dogecoin but his yeah go go his way instead <laughs> Well, thanks, everyone, for another uh, hopefully interesting episode of Building Infinite Red. Um, thank you, Justin, for joining us. I hope you join us more in the future. And thank you, everyone out there who's listening to our little podcast. Um, we do appreciate it. We'll see you next episode. Well, as this episode of Building Infinite Red comes to a close, be sure to check out this episode's show notes. We love it when the listeners to Building Infinite Red leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a shout out on their social channels. Feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Have a question for the owners? Reach out to them on Twitter. Their Twitter handles are on the show notes page. Or you can join the hashtag podcast channel on the Infinite Red Slack community at community.infinite.red. Thank you so much for listening to Building Infinite Red. We'll talk to you next time.